Well, hello and welcome to episode three. Now, this episode continuing in the same uh, line that we've started in the last episode. We did democracy and rule of law, which are concepts under the Constitution of India. Uh, this time around, we're going to talk about another very important concept: fundamental rights. Now, traditional and modern constitutional philosophies both agree that the proposition of a Bill of Rights as a part of the constitutional text has always been one of the most important methods of limiting governmental power. The idea that the sovereign may not, or even in some cases cannot, legislate to take away or abrogate certain rights held by the power addressees is a strong limitation on such sovereign power so much so that it has inevitably become a very strong weapon in the hands of those that choose to stand up to governmental excesses the fundamental rights under the constitution of india occupies a similar position it makes up an entire distinctive part of the constitution Part three. Characteristically, this part is extremely exhaustive and comprehensive. At the outset, it attempts to define who it is that these rights are available against. I am talking, of course, about Article Twelve. Article Twelve. is an inclusive definition of the term state which has been drafted to be as broad as it may possibly be in so far as to include as many functionaries amongst the state's machinery as possible to begin with we have the union government we also have the state governments we have the parliament we have the state legislatures then we have all local authorities a huge number this and to further add to the ambiguity it says other authorities now there are a couple of qualifications that may help us understand these terms a little better it says number 1 those that are within the territory of india and number 2 those that are under the control of the government of india okay let's begin at the beginning now local authorities it was probably not very difficult to determine for all concerned that it covered all the municipal bodies but there were a lot of such municipal bodies too you know look around there was some clarification that people felt was required of course as usual the supreme court supplied some details regarding some features of such a local authority if you remember mohammad yasin versus town area committee the supreme court went on to list out certain features of a municipal authority or a local authority as it may be 
but how about other authorities now here we did not even have an inkling of where to look what other and what authority of course we know how things panned out firstly there was the case of Uni- university of madras as a santa bakshi if you remember in this case uh the supreme court went on to say that a just dem generous principle must be applied so we figured out that there were some authorities which were of a like nature which means similar to all other state functionaries you know the ones which performed governmental and sovereign functions so this for a while was the guiding principle for other authorities those which perform governmental and sovereign functions are called other authorities but then there was an argument and then there were some authorities which uh, you know the supreme court said performs commercial functions should also be brought in if you remember rajasthan state electricity board versus mohanlal the government argued that since the rajasthan state electricity board performed a commercial function of buying and selling electricity it cannot and it and therefore it does not perform any other sovereign or governmental functions it cannot be considered as state under article 12 can't be considered as other authority supreme court said no not possible we don't agree with you we don't care that they are not performing a government or sovereign function as long as it is a statutory authority under the government even if it is performing a commercial activity now subsequent to this case the concept was further broadened by the supreme court it went on to say boards and non statutory authorities like for example corporations you know ongc and the like may be classified as other authorities one condition the supreme court set in order to determine whether a particular authority should fall under the concept of other authorities or not we should look for a deep and pervasive control over such a body by the government if you remember rd shetty versus international airport authority was a case in which the supreme court went on to apply this concept deep and pervasive control by the government then we went one step further our supreme court went on to you know a judge a society registered under the societies act estate the reasoning was sound if you remember the case of ajay hasya versus khalid mujib the supreme court gave a list of you know things to be considered said where the whole or part of the capital or the corpus or the expenditure of the society all those things you know that reflected this deep and pervasive control you know it was not that 
they were saying something extremely new they were agreeing with the deep and pervasive control theory but they went on to elaborate under what condition we would consider a particular situation as having deep and pervasive state control comprehensive guidelines consequently it so turns out that these fundamental rights are available against not one or even a few departments of the government but it is comprehensively available against almost every aspect of governmental engagement with the people now that's just article 12 which by itself is extremely significant as it keeps the powers that be at bay on the other hand we have article 13 now article 13 determines how we interpret this particular part again you know there are a couple of doctrines involved under article 13 the way in which the article has been drafted also bears significance in terms of how fundamental rights are interpreted and understood more importantly uh, this particular provision brings out the importance the scope of fundamental rights as far as the indian legal and constitutional system is concerned firstly it says that all laws which were already in force at the time of coming into force of the constitution of india would in so far as they turned out to be inconsistent with the provisions of part 3 be automatically considered as void of course these are not the same words that were drafted into the constitution these are my words but look at what they say it says that if there are laws which are in force at the time this constitution is coming into being we will not automatically say these laws will not apply we will first see whether these laws turn out to be inconsistent with the provisions of part 3 because that really is where we check our laws part 3 then if they are inconsistent they will be automatically considered as void a very important doctrine is implied through this provision you know this is known as the doctrine of eclipse we will more fully study this and other doctrines at another time of course but uh, as far as we are here the doctrine of eclipse you know what happens under it is that the laws if you observe were already made so the new constitution could not have done anything about them of course you know the reason was that these laws had been made without due consideration of part 3 because there was no part 3 when these laws were made so article 13 clause 1 lays down that such laws would be considered void only as long as they remained inconsistent inconsistent with part 3 if the inconsistency were to end they would cease to be void 
thereby prompting the comparison with an eclipse however if you observe the language of article 13 clause 2 the rule regarding laws made under the constitution is more stringent it says the state shall not make any law which takes away or abridges the rights conferred by this part of course most of the times law is made for a future hypothetical situation therefore it may inadvertently abridge fundamental rights in spite of the state's good intentions we didn't know this was going to happen it is abridging some fundamental right yes we didn't foresee it so the other half of article 13 clause 2 deals with that situation it goes on to say that any law made in contravention of this clause shall to the extent of the con- contravention be void so 13 clause 2 is in two parts firstly it says the state shall not make any law so look at how strict the situation is here with respect to laws being made under the constitution of india laws that were made before the constitution came into force okay we said up to the extent of their inconsistency void but once the inconsistency is lifted the law can come back into force but these laws which the state is now making under the provisions of the constitution of india they need to match a higher standard in fact it's not the laws it's the state that needs to aspire to a higher standard it says because article 13 clause 2 states that the state shall not make any law which is inconsistent with part 3 you know and then the backup any law made in contravention of this clause shall to the extent of the contravention be void thereby implying another doctrine the doctrine of severability of course this is also another doctrine which we will be studying in a little bit of detail at a later time but of course like i said since we are already here doctrine of severability is pretty simple it says if you can save the law by severing the portion that is in contravention of 13 clause 2 save it only if the severance of such part leads to the law becoming useless without the severed portion the whole law is to be declared as unconstitutional this is 13 clause 2 13 clause 1 and 13 clause 2 of course 13 article 13 has a couple of more clauses uh, you know that we haven't discussed but uh, those are not that important it has of course uh, the very famous provision the clause definition of the term law again uh, just like the definition of state it's an inclusive definition but it is Uh, if you observe it is not just an inclusive definition it is also a conclusive definition it is inclusive 
because it it goes on to say the law includes uh, this and that and what not it says customs orders legislation everything and it finally seals the deal by saying any law which is in force within within the territory of india at that particular point of time so any law everything that can be considered as law would fall under article 13 clause 3 and then there is another provision which was added through an amendment which goes on to say that an amendment made to the constitution of india is not law under article 13 of course that's a discussion for another time uh, because it has got more to do with amendment than to do with fundamental right but yeah, that's article 13 and article 12 if you remember now these two provisions are the guiding provisions for us to have a reasonable perspective in terms of determining the various ways in which we would go ahead and interpret part 3 but that is not all i decided that we will split our discussion on fundamental rights into two parts this what we are dealing with now is the first part where we discuss uh, the provisions related to article 12 definition of state and how it progressed under the supreme court and article 13 with respect to the various doctrines and with respect to uh, the inconsistency that some laws may show with respect to part 3 the second part of this discussion will involve a discussion of various concepts that have found their way into part 3 itself and how those concepts have been dealt with by part 3 to a certain extent we began this discussion in the last class but we didn't look at it from quite that perspective we looked at it as democracy and rule of law being overarching principles of constitutionalism and how they figure under the constitution of india but we need to look also at the concept of rule of law from the perspective of fundamental right so we will be beginning there we will talk about concepts like the rule of law like due process like a personal liberty like a, a lot of concepts which have become provisions under part 3 of the constitution of india and how they have found their place how the interpretation of various provisions by the supreme court has gone on to shape the way in which these concepts uh, figure in our bill of rights you know that is fundamental rights under part 3 of the constitution of india so that's how i have decided we'll split up this part so hopefully Uh, in the next lecture i will have more on a couple of these concepts if not all of those concepts probably we shall also be uh, you know completing this entire discussion by having a short uh, discussion on the directive principles of state policy and the relationship between fundamental rights and directive principles of state policy which is a very important topic but enough for now we end part 1 here we continue on in the next episode the work would be the same as usual an assignment will be created on google classroom listen 
summarize upload until next time stay home stay safe stay healthy bye bye